This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Welcome to another episode of What Is Your Favorite Thing About Basketball. Today I'm discussing this with Katie Heindel, who is a fantastic writer, and we are discussing joy and all the different interpretations of it we can find within basketball, the community, watching it, playing it, whatever. I sincerely hope you enjoy the episode. Katie Heindel. What is your favorite thing about basketball? This was tough. You know that this was tough for me, but I tried to distill everything I love about basketball, uh, be that just like individual elements, kind of like long consuming threads. Um, And they all came down to one thing and that's joy. Okay. So what made you go with joy? And I guess I'll assume that you're not talking about the WNBA players, Joy Cheek or Joy Holmes Harris. I mean, I could, I I think like, unfortunately, unfortunately or not, yes, because of their names, but also I think because they embody what it is I'm I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, like what I, again, what I said, I think joy to me, you know, when I look at a dunk, when I look at, a chase down block. That's just like t- taking someone off the plane of this existence. You know, when I look at a bench celebrating, when I look at, you know, the disbelief in a player's face or like a fan's face, when a shot falls, um, a lot of those things are just culminations of joy, right? This kind of visceral over the top feeling that is almost uncontainable. Um, so I think joy might even be a stretch <laughs> in terms of like the proper word to describe all of it. But I also have to come back to the thing that I think is what keeps me coming back to basketball again and again. I mean, I don't watch, you know me, like it's not a big surprise to say like, I don't watch basketball <laughs> for like the numbers or like the analytical satisfaction <laughs> or like efficiency. You know, I don't. And honestly, if we had enough time, I could make arguments for all those things fitting in as well under the header of joy. But for me, the experience is emotional. I maybe I've like painted myself into a little bit of like a caricature, like corner with that, but it's true. So I should own up to it. Um, But joy is why I watch basketball. I watch basketball to feel good and feel happy and feel kind of amazed at the things that I don't think we often recognize enough are difficult and like almost near impossible. Um, and we can sometimes <laughs> undervalue and really oversimplify, you know, like saying someone is bad at basketball, which is always funny to me. Cause it's like, no, they're not <laughs> like they're in the <laughs> NBA. They're like maybe compared to like their best teammate that night, but they're really not bad at their jobs. And so, yeah, like it's it, all of this is is 
more than happiness. It is, it is a sense of, I think, suspended happiness, which uh, to me is what joy is. Okay. So like four things came to mind that I want to ask you, and I guess we'll work through them unless you say other things that spring up questions of mine, which probably <laughs> will. But the first thing is that Lewis, when I talked to him yesterday and we were talking about stories, we were talking about uh, there's no need for always zero sum, the winner and the loser. And he also was talking about writing to describe a player's game and how mm-hmm. if you're describing Siakam's jump shot, the moment you mention what percentage he, he shoots, you've killed the story. What do you think about that? <laughs> I agree with Lewis. I mean, we're both precious little writers, but like, I agree agree with him um, completely. I mean, you can fold because to me, the numbers are like the trappings. The numbers are like the foundation of the house. Right. But like joy to me is the architecture, like an architects hate engineers for this reason. Right. Architects are the ones drawing up the out of control plans and engineers other ones being like, uh, this isn't actually functionally possible, <laughs> you know? And like, that's where I feel like you can lay the foundational groundwork, especially if you're writing about basketball through your stats, through your analytics, that's fine. But you want to springboard, at least I want to springboard from that into something beyond that is going to kind of lift people up and remind them of like what it is in motion that they're watching and like why they love watching that. So yeah, I think the two can exist in tandem, but you have to move beyond the stats, I think, to tell the full story. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned undervalued aspects of the NBA and how they tie mm-hmm. into joyous occasions. Is there anything that you could point to or some sort of collective thing you could point to that you think that would be? Um, undervalued aspects. Yeah, I think to me, I think um, this is always like, and I can see this in the players I love and the teams and like kind of legacies I go back and fall really hard for, which are generally underdogs, you know, and underdog stories. Um, I really like, like even when writing about basketball or having the opportunity to talk to uh, athletes, I really like talking to the people that don't get spoken to that often um, because they're going to be the most honest with you because they haven't, they've been undervalued in that sense, right? The spotlight might be on the guy next to them. Um, and they might haven't had, they may not have had the chance yet to, to, to tell their own story. So that's one thing I think. Um, I really just like teams that creep up from behind. I think of, I also really like players that do the dirty work. I mean, like do the intangibles, as we say, Kyle Lowry, obviously, uh, is someone who just fulfilled that like night in night out, um, tirelessly. I love that kind of player. I guess like you could, I guess that is tied to in a more stringent way to this like winning mentality, you know, and what we hear often just about like doing everything it takes to get a win, um, which can be joyful, but winning to me is also not necessarily like the purest encapsulation of like joy in basketball, you know, it's like, it is, it's a lot of the, these other kind of lesser seen things. I mean, 
again, like you, I, I love it when you can, this is why I actually loved the exercise uh, of the, sh- of the shot and what it brought out in everyone, because in all of those stills, you could pick a person in the audience and see what they were going through. Like in, you know, those like tenths of a second, I love shit like that because to me, that is like, those are the lesser, those are like the lesser appreciated and lesser examined things. Right. And it is just to see the way that someone is experiencing like this out of control, very joyful moment and like everything that's kind of running across their face. Um, and you get to do that collectively at once through the gift of slow-mo replay (laughs) and, um, like incredible sports photography, but stuff like that. And there's stuff like that happening in every game. There's stuff like that happening on like a Tuesday night game in February there. You just kind of have to know where to look for it. And I guess I just love figuring out where that is. I, I really, that resonates with me because as somebody who I got to like, as a teenager, I got to travel around and play, I'd say a pretty good level of basketball. And it was a really big part of my life. But basketball for me has never really been about winning or losing despite playing meaningful games. It was always about the connection. It allowed me to um, create with other people. And basically all of my closest friends are somebody I met on a basketball court or somebody I met who also writes about basketball. And that connectivity has brought a lot of joy to my life and when I play basketball, I feel like that's the best place I could be in the world. I feel like not just I get to express my physical self as a basketball player using the basketball and the court as a medium for that expression, but I also feel my personality as somebody who enjoys and riffs about the ongoing basketball conversations. And that means that when I watch NBA games, my favorite thing is obviously the highlights, incredible feats of athleticism, yes, but I love the in-between moments in plays when players joke, laugh, smile with each other, opposing Mm -hmm. players, whatever. I think that is what brings me a lot of joy in, uh, in NBA games. Yeah. I love, I love a mic'd up. I mean, there's some like not great mic'd ups, but like (laughs) most mic'd ups, you're going to get something good. Even if it's just someone groaning or making a really strange sound, you know, with their mouths um, and like reacting to the game in real time, the same as you would. Like, I love that stuff because it's just like a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, right? In real time. Um, And it's so nominal. Like, it's such like a tiny little thing. And I get that it's a gimmick, but I love, I love it as a gimmick. And like, I think what you said uh, about playing basketball is very beautiful and like not just playing So you're in this state where your body's kind of working in concert with like your heart and all the things that you love about this game that you cover and has been so fulfilling in your life, but also that as a backdrop for meeting people and kind of like coming together with similarly minded people, you know, something that I think you and I've talked about, but that got me really down during the height of the pandemic when games were like not in Toronto anymore was losing that side of it right like covering covering it from afar and not just for like the lack of opportunities to speak with players but the lack of opportunity to go to games and see my friends or like meet new people or like see these weird things that happen in the tunnels you know like (laughs) 
the near collisions when like Robin Lopez is bolting down the tunnel screaming and he almost runs into that gigantic bag of popcorn that's always sitting outside of the visitor team locker room. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it's always <laughs> there uh, waiting for them. But there's just stuff like that, that um, I'm always reminded of like the inner, inner workings of this thing that we love. And when you don't have it uh, or when I didn't have it for that time, it felt so isolating. Uh, and like, I was just in my own really linear kind of insular, not as fulfilling bubble. And it was just working with kind of one half, you know, like one half of uh, the, the story. So to have that back now, but you don't, you don't recognize it fully until it's got, you know, it's gone and it's back. You realize how much you missed, but um, I'm glad that you said that. Cause I think that's a really important thing for us too. Mm -hmm. uh, so Phil Jackson was for years and years, like the new wave of NBA philosophy of thought. He was like the hippie coach and he was, you know, radical for players, both in what he allowed them to do off the court and the way that he embraced some of their skills on the court. And so since you are also a great basketball thinker, I want to bounce this quote off of you. So from Phil Jackson, quote, in basketball, as in life, true joy comes from being fully present in each and every moment, not just when things are going your way, end quote. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, it like it kind of behooves me to agree with Phil Jackson, who could sometimes be a little bit like Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance about his, <laughs> you know, his like spirituality uh, or like a <laughs> spiritual approach to the game, whatever. But I agree with him. And I think it kind of has to do even with what I was just talking about before. It's like to be present in moments just of joy, of course, you should absolutely try and do that because those moments are so fleeting. You don't know where they're going to come back you should really just like dig in and saturate your brain and like body with them. But to appreciate them to that degree, you also got to go through the shittier and like much worse moments and maybe droughts, personal droughts, emotional droughts, long stretches of the things that you don't want. Um, and yeah, like maybe you want to fast forward like past that stuff, but I think it is as important uh, to be present as much as you can be in that, in that too, because like, I think that also the difficult thing with being present now, especially is like, you have this inclination, especially with your phone, right. To just always pull it out. And it's so weird to be like, yeah, I'm not even present in the moment I'm standing here holding my phone because I'm actually just in my phone. So to be like alone and still not be present, this is now, this is getting a bit Zen <laughs> and motorcycle maintenance, -y, but um, yeah, I think I'll just say, like, I agree with him. And I think you've got to go through the bad to get the good, like in a game where you've got to go through those, like, really, really dismal games, whether it's as a fan or, you know, some like a covering a game for a story, uh, to kind of wring the joyful moments out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, Zen, of course, joy, of course, but along the way you discovered disassociation and uh, <laughs> how scary that can be. The, the, <laughs> the, other, the other thing I wanted to ask, the 19th overall pick 
of the basketball feelings draft mm. went to Dan, De- Dan Devine and he chose joy. Mm-hmm. Did he trade this to you? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, I'm trying to remember. I can't believe I just forgot how the draft that I invented worked. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. I had, I had drafted, um, I had like in like picked all these feelings individually. And then what I did was draft the order of everyone who contributed with my name in as many times as I needed to like make up for the total amount uh, of draftees. And the first person would have the full um, list to choose from of feelings. And then, you know, when Dan went, he only had, you know, X amount left. So that, so the, they didn't get to draft necessarily in real time. They drafted almost like in the NBA draft with what was then left available to them. Dan did not trade. Um, no one actually traded uh, a feeling, which I thought was interesting, but also I'm glad for because like, I don't actually know how it would have required a completely different system. We were not doing it in real time and ended up taking like two and a half months. <laughs> to get done. Um, so that would have been like an exercise across time and space, but no, Dan picked joy. I was super shocked that it had stayed on the board as long as it did. I wonder if that had something to do with where we were at in the pandemic at that point. And joy wasn't necessarily in uh, abundance, but I think he did a, a great job with it. Do you think we're closer to capturing more of it? Yeah, I do actually. I mean, I, I know we've got Um, some very aggravating and annoying and divisive things in the news every day. But I try and look at it as like where we were at this time last year, you know, and what kind of hopefulness we had available to us being a little bit less than what we have now. Um, So, yeah, I think so. At least I feel that way. But maybe that's a Phil Jackson thing. Maybe that's being in the moment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> appreciating the the joy as it comes to me yeah well to i think a, a great way to end this podcast is for to reflect upon like with a little story of how you and i met and <laughs> joy around basketball we talked about community and making friends and uh the hardest i laughed actually while being in toronto was when you came over and we were working a game together and we collaborated on a tweet from lewis's account that said <laughs> They call Big Mustard. (laughs) (laughs) Because he has a mustard sweater, and we wanted to say they call me Big Mustard, but we (laughs) spelled it incorrectly. I buckled under pressure completely is what happened. (laughs) Um, And then... we got a phone call. (laughs) I'll edit this out. Okay. I was like, is it Lewis? <laughs> Did he sense it again? It's a very holistic um, podcasting experience. I can't reach the phone. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> no message. Um, oh, damn. I hate when that happens. Uh, that makes me very happy to hear that was the most that you laughed in your time in Toronto. Happy and maybe sad. I wish... He had some funnier things going on. I think it's more of a testament to how hard, like how funny it really was. Like I busted was really a gut. Funny. Yeah. The it's because of his timing, because he came kind of ambling down those steps up in the press uh gondola. 
pizza we, in hand. Yeah. As we had like, um, just like smashed the tweet button and like, you know, to Lewis's credit, like his bright, bright eye, wide eyed face. So happy to see me not knowing what I had just done. laptop. <laughs> and then when we told him, he was like, you should, that's funny. You should just leave it. Well, I think he tried to hire you as his social media person at that mm-hmm. point in time. So you should tweet for me. Yeah. Cause he was like, I never, I never know what jokes to make <laughs> or something just equally <laughs> as earnest. Uh, Very you know, Lewis. like Louis. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> that was pretty joyful. And if I remember correctly, no, that game turned out to be bad, but it got joyful for a couple of stretches, right? Like they, they got within the comeback well, and then was- it fell away from them. That was Justin Champagny. What was it? You were talking about faces in tenths mm. of seconds. The faces were robbed by tenths of seconds, I guess, in that game, because Justin Champagny's tip that went in to win uh, was taken away. I guess it was like a two tenths too late or something like that. And he got he got like mobbed on the court, too, which I yes. thought, again, wonderful encapsulation of joy, something I completely love to watch. Uh, and that was robbed from them as well. He still got to the experience joy. it though. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> is the joy gone? Because he got the, what was it, the bio, not the biomechanical. He got the the biochemical response, I guess, mm-hmm. right? So it, it was there. Yeah, it's like a, like a guitar solo lingering in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, do you have any parting shots about joy and basketball? Oof, boy. Um, well, I know you're trying to keep it short. <laughs> no, <for everybody. laughs> uh, no, you know, I, I kind of want to part with like to emphasize again um, what you touched, what we touched on. But it's just this idea that like joy is kind of present in most moments, uh, even if it's not immediately apparent where or why, you know, or how. Um, but I think it's easier to find it in basketball because one is just a game Two, there's a million things going on at once on the court, you know, whether it's like actually on the floor or in the stands around it. Um, so it can be a good exercise. in like, if you're not feeling that great, you can toss a game on and just kind of get lulled into almost even like the rhythmic joy, I think, of basketball can be so soothing if you just really need to zone out and kind of like set your brain on the coffee table beside you, it allows you to do that. So I think sometimes if you can't find it in your own life, it's nice that we have the privilege to be able to kind of turn and try and find it uh, in a basketball game. Literally and figuratively, an Mm -hmm. arena for emotion. Thank you for coming on, Katie. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Listener, I hope you enjoyed this this dive into joy and basketball. I, I sincerely hope you did. But whether you got into it in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.